we're going to end our um, our discussion of parables tonight, and uh, uh, we got four here to cover, and so um, uh, we're going to go through those. Are you ready for them? Amen. Now remember the parables. Jesus is teaching us how this whole thing works. And uh, we need to understand them. But he said, you know, Mark chapter 4 is where we started with uh, the four grounds, the heart of man, the, the seed sown, is that uh, if you don't understand that parable, seed time and harvest, you're not going to understand any of the parables. All the parables that we walk through has a component to seed time and harvest. What you do, there's an outcome to what, what we do. And he's, he's showing us how the kingdom of God operates, the kingdom of heaven um, and uh, for the most part, where we read the kingdom of God, we're talking about his operational system, how it works. Where we read about the kingdom of heaven, which functions in the kingdom of God, it's a geographical location. It's where our eternity is, is, is spent. So we're going to start off here in Matthew chapter 20. Yes. In verse 1. And we're going to start off here about the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we want to... There's a word that I use that you're going to see kind of a theme through tonight. And we're going to lead up to the, uh, the last parable that we'll deal with that I think is a great problem within um, those that confess to be Christians and especially those that, that don't receive Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, your property owner, which went out early in the morning to, to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, can you imagine working for a penny a day? It sounds like an opportunity, right? He sent them into his vineyard and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever it is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And again, in the, he went out about the sixth and then again in the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, he went out. Now, this workday was a 12-hour day, apparently, because the last one he went out to was 11 hours later. And he saith unto them, why, you stand, why stand ye here all day idle? And they said unto him, because no man hired, has hired us. He said unto them, go ye also in the vineyard. Whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. So when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. So uh, the first ones that are going to come uh, uh, through is the ones that they just hired. And then the first ones he hires are going to be at the end of the line. When they came, now remember, this is how the kingdom of heaven operates. When they came that were hired about the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. A penny for one hour's work. But when the first came, the 12 hour guy, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And as we know humans are, when they had received it, they rejoiced, jumped up and down, was happy for their penny. No, they, they started complaining. Uh, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These that have worked but one hour, and you have made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? So let's pause right there. Did they agree for a penny? How, how do you think that would fare today? We need to start a union. 
Sorry. I, when I was 16, I, I went to work for Albertsons. It was a union shop. And I don't know, I think uh, minimum wage is like maybe 265 or something like that. And I was making about seven bucks an hour. And I learned one thing. I don't ever want to work for a union. Uh, <laughs> Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with thine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first shall be last, for many are called but few are chosen. Now, there, there's three things that really strike me in this. One is the value of labor for God. Now, you and I, because of our cultural mentality, because of the way we do things in the United States and the way, you know, fair labor practices and all that kind of stuff, uh, we would start screaming and yelling because we worked longer and got paid the same. But the value in what you're doing for God, it doesn't matter. God, God treats everybody the same. And, and, you know, somebody might stop and say, well, you know, it's better to just kind of get saved at the last minute. If I'm going to get the same thing as the guy that's, that's born the heat of the day. But how do you know you're going to be in the right state of mind for the heat of day or, or for the last minute? And then your labor here with God stores up in heaven treasure. And there's, as you study out heaven, there's rank and file. And so, so there's, there's many things attributed to it, but the thing that really stood out to me on this was the value. And I think value is going to play a big part in tonight uh, in that, who's calling me? Somebody from Tulare. And um, it's not Felix. Um, and so, um, I don't know, I, I, I think in a lot of senses, we don't really look at the things of God the way God looks at things. The second thing was the goodness of God's word, is that we, we many times approach our lives in a fairness mentality. And God is very word-oriented. Did, did not I say that I would do this? Well, how come they have this or they get this or they're walking in something. We'll see this in another parable. And, uh, uh, and, and it's not happening for me. Did he not give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? But if we don't work it the right way, how's it going to work for us? Because he, he judges everything equally. We're, we're all going to, it just amazes me how simple, how complete, yet how complex his system is, is that just do my word, you'll get the result of my word. That's like pretty simple, isn't it? But now take Christians who have a copy of his word. How many struggle with it? Like every single one? And, and yet it's so simple and it's so complete. And God says, I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. Yet we struggle to make life and godliness work. It's, it, 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 I don't know, to me it's just really interesting. And then the last is the, the, wrong, the, the wrong mindset of culture. Because this would go against, I mean, there would be lawsuits flying all over the place in 2023 if this happened with an employer and an employee. Which goes to show you that culture is always going to go against the grain of the Word of God. Yes. 
because culture is developed in what we want, desire uh, to do. And the further we go down in this, going toward the end day, we see that the things that seems right in the mind of people is totally wrong with the Word of God. And people can't reconcile that. It's another amazing thing to me. I've said it many times, and I still get complex about it, how people can't hear. They, you ask a question, they, just, they give an answer that has nothing to do with the question. They can't hear what's going on. They can't see the own. You know, any time in this life that something rubs us wrong, y'all understand rubs us wrong? Yes. Has anybody ever been rubbed wrong? Amen. That's revealing something in you, yes. in me. But you know what, how we respond to something rubbing us wrong? We try to rub back. Sticks it, mouth off. We get complainy. We get mouthy. We get attitude You ever met somebody with attitude <laughs> See, See, anything, see, if he that the Son is set free is free indeed, you should be free. I should be free from these things. But you go, go to the marriage house. Uh, how many here knows how to push the button of their spouse? Okay. Yeah, uh, um, B's back there doing a dance. <laughs> How many ever pushes the button? Now, has it ever gone? Y- y'all are a bunch of liars, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Okay. How many has ever pushed the button of their spouse and it went well? Yeah, I don't believe you. And... Uh, because you got to live through the attitude of the spouse. Well, it's me with Ralph. Ralph's pretty mellow, so it probably wasn't a big reaction. He probably just complied and uh, gave it away, so maybe it did go well. But, uh, but yet we do it anyway. How many of you here have ever been guilty of complaining? Has it ever worked for you? Like, like after you complained, it just like made my life better? You know, it's just really... Uh, um, has anybody ever complained? had a habit of complaining to their spouse? Did, did it ever draw you closer to them? See, everything that we do that's natural to us, that's human nature, contradicts this. I mean, we're not even smart enough to say, I'm not going to do that again. Because the next time we get rubbed wrong, we're going to start pushing buttons so that we can feel better about ourselves. And so here in the, this, this parable, and, and explaining you know, how the kingdom of heaven works, uh, we're all pushing forward to the outcome, and God treats us all equally. If, it doesn't matter if we hop on the bus the, the last day before the end of time, and we really get in all in, or if we've been laboring, carrying the heat of the day, getting the gospel out, uh, God's going to treat us all the same. And and that's actually a good good thing because he called himself the good man of the house. This is actually the way it should work, the way that we should treat other people also. And uh, so so the way you're staring at me, let's go over to Matthew chapter two and see if we can't uh, pick up on a better, um, better one. But I think we might be uh, not going better, but harder. Yes. We got a microphone? Yeah, I don't have my post-it note. Where we, put my next slide up. So, 
Oh, Matthew 25. Okay, not Matthew 2. Oh, I forgot the 5 in here. So I said it right. I just did it wrong. Go ahead. No, this Be last parable, it just gives me hope because, uh, you know, we have children that are not saved or they're not born again. So we know that if they are born last minute or whatever, that they'll still... Absolutely. That's a great so point. That's, that's the way I see how I think it's, it's, it's a great parable. Yeah. And uh, where a lot of people might look at it, like I said, and think, well, that's unfair or something like that, it really is a great parable. There is a lot of hope in, t in it, it when we understand the goodness of God and how God does things. So in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Now, does that sound like anything has happened? What? What? Okay. Jesus came, set things up, went back to heaven, gave us everything that he established. All right. And called his own servants and delivered them his goods. Now, th this is what, another area that I think we fall short in understanding the word of God. He's given us all things. We struggle because we don't want to deal with us and our wrong attitude, our wrong thoughts. We're more interested in driving and pushing toward what we want and how we want it. Um, so this is what Jesus did for us. And unto one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one. Now, this next uh, um, statement is very important to every man, according to his several ability. And then he straightway took his journey. Uh, the thing that's great about that is God is only going to give us a responsibility according to our ability. God does not require more from us than what we're able to do. Now, so whatever God puts on our heart to walk out, we have the ability to do it within us. A lot of people struggle with this and they don't want to press uh, into fulfilling the call. They're just kind of like waiting. Well, as soon as God opens the door and it just kind of like falls on my lap, then I'll... I'll, I'll know what to do and I'll, I'll do it. No, we are to pursue the, the vision, the goal. I've asked it before that how many people feel that there's more that God wants to do with you than what's happening now. And the hands goes, you know, for the most part, everybody's hand raises up. They know it, but they're just sitting waiting for something to happen. God expects us to move forward in faith. Then he that had received the five talents went out and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that, that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's uh, money. Now, again, what are we doing with what God has given to us? Now, you're going to see that it doesn't go so well for the person that digged and hid. Uh, this person was living in fear. We're going to see that. And they were just doing nothing. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. So he that had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, thou delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I gained beside them five more talents. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The phrase that everybody says, I can't wait to hear, hear the words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But are you, notice what the guy did. He took what was given to him and he doubled it. Then he heard, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yet people talk like this is just going to be the standard phrase of everybody that walks through the gate of heaven is well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
but a lot of them are going to make it by the skin of their teeth or come out of the tribulation. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now stop and think about this. I, I, I say this periodically. There's a David doctrine. Okay, so I, I clarify it with, uh, I'm not, you know, I can't really support it biblically other than extractions of, of the theme of the Bible and stuff like that. Is what was God doing before Genesis 1-1? And if you go back, when did God come into existence? He always was, correct? So if we go eternity backwards, how long was God here? Yeah, like forever. But how do you, how do you wrap your mind forever backwards? Like, was he, was he just sitting around twiddling his thumbs? And then all of a sudden he got this weird thought and said, oh, I had to make me an earth and put some people on it. <laughs> I think that'd be cool. But that doesn't sound anything like the character of God. God is a creator. So if he is a creator, he had to be creating eternity backwards. And we came along in the process of his that eternity of he's always been. And now there's a, a world, an earth, a people, and a, a Jesus that came and died. So then he says to this guy that, that took his Lord's, what the Lord had given him, and he multiplied it. He says, you have been faithful, a faithful servant uh, over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Well, if heaven is just laying in tall grass, petting lions, what is the ruler over many things? See, I personally, again, David Doctrine. There, after the, he says, this is all coming to an end. At some, there's a point in time that only God knows. This will all be done. Well, what is there to rule over if it's all done? There's got to be something in the plan of God, the creator, that after this is all over, that we play a part. Where did the angels come from? Well, he created them. When? In the creation pre-earth. Was there another thing called something else, an earth, before us that had this whole thing going on that the angels were the ones who, what we call, saved and, and eternally went to heaven? Are they the ones that did that? Now their place is, is here in this. And will we come over to the next one after this is all done, and will we play a part like that in the next one? This is a David doctrine, okay? This is David's thinking. I go off on tangents in my mind sometimes. And, and try to, but, but do you think, I mean, you take a verse like this, I will make thee ruler over many things. Where? When? How? See, what we're doing with what we have right now, and some say, well, I don't have anything. Oh, yeah. Remember the woman with the... Uh, uh, be sold to the debtors, you know, go to debtors prison or whatever it was. And uh, the prophet says, what do you have in your house? I don't have anything except a pot of oil. That's all you need. We all have something. We all have the ability to evangelize, like what mom was talking about. We all have the ability to, to uh, lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover. 
When somebody tells you they're going through something, are you willing to lay hands on them? Or do you want to call me or Peter or somebody else in the church and, and ask if we'll pray for them? Lay hands on them. Cast the devil out of them. Let's just go on. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two talents uh, besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, did he do as well as the first guy? He did in that he doubled what he had. But was it as much? But he was treated the same, heard the same. So we see the principle of the prior parable we read being manifested in this parable also. And he says, uh, Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now, the other guy, um, he was to be made ruler over many things. This guy was to be made ruler over many things. But one was given five. One was given two because God only gives according to their abilities. And both of them took responsibility of what God had given to them and, and performed on it. Even though the guy with five, you know, multi doubled it with five, he's treated and his reward is the same. The goodness of God. Then he, which had the one talent, came and said, now we all have something. We're all going to give an account. I knew the... I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. Now we see here the effects of fear. Yeah. Fear paralyzes you. What are people going to think? What if I do something wrong? What, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. It's all fear-based. I was afraid, and I went and I hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there hast... Uh, lo, there thou hast, that is thine. Or I, I'm giving back what you gave to me with nothing added to it. I'm just going to give it back. Because, you know, I had, this, I had to take care of myself while I was on earth. People irritated me. And they stopped me. And they pushed me over into this. And they this, this. And I had to go do... It doesn't work. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather... Where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put thy money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. So he didn't even have to go out and double. If he had just put it in the savings account and got a 1% return on it, usury is interest, and came back with, here's, here's the one talent, let's put the talent back in money so that we could, uh, you know, to, to the first guy he gave $500 and he brought back 1000 Okay, he doubled the five. Second guy gave $200, he came back with $400. And third guy gave $100. And if he had just put it in the, the bank and made a 1% return, is that a dollar? Is my math right? Yeah. And he came back and said, here's $101. That would have satisfied him. The very least you could have done was stuck it in the savings account and got a 1% return so you could bring me back something on what I gave you. This really... When, when we start looking, again, I'm going to go back to this word value. When we look at the value we place on the things of God, it's really low for the most part. What am I doing to try to give a return on the life that Christ gave me? 
Because were we not all dead in our sins? Verse 28, take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. Now, we're going to read something here that's very not fair. It's not politically correct. For unto everyone that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall it be taken away, even that which he has. God will take what he's given to us and give it to somebody who's willing to put it to work for him. Now, that's a powerful statement as to how God views this thing. In that, remember another verse, he says, our life is not our own, but most people live their lives as though it's their own, and they're going to put all of their agenda first and, and put God on the back burner. Now, look what happens. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, let me pose a question. I don't know the answer. I've thought about this many times over the years, talking on this uh, parable and, and just discussing things. In the beginning of this, he called all three of them his servants, his disciples. How did he, how did he say it? Verse 14, he says, um, called his own servants. So, so they're going to be Christians in, in the context of the parable. So, so they received this man, uh, this master, as their master. And he divided unto them his goods. So they received from him. There, we, would, we would use modern, uh, modern day vocabulary is they were born again. But of the one who did nothing with what was given to them, does verse 30 sound like hell to you? Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How do we... Take the mic and get ready. I want somebody to comment on this. Okay, bring it up to Felix. Uh, he's going to comment. How do, how do we explain that? Because according to Jesus' parable, the person ain't going to make it. No, I just want to go back on, on uh, you know, what, uh, what happened at the beginning is that the, the master did gave to each according to his own ability. So I don't think he had very high, uh, what do you call it, expectations from the last ma last person because he only gave him one one talent. So I don't think he thought very highly of him. But he thought high right. enough to give him one talent. Well, yeah, but compared to the other one, the others who received five and two. So compare the five and the two. Did he treat the two guy any different than the five guy? No. So no. If, the, if the one guy would have come back with something, would he not have treated him exactly the same? Yeah, no, I understand that, but just I'm just saying he didn't take very highly of him according to his own ability. He, wasn't, he knew that he was not going yeah, to did. Yeah, he didn't have the same ability, but he obviously had the ability to double the one. Or at least put it in the bank and get some interest off of it. So how do we rationalize... I'm interested in thoughts. Give me some thoughts on this. How do we rationalize that it's okay to receive Christ and what he's done for us and given it to us and do nothing with it? Because if you asked, if you just randomly asked 100 Christians that, that uh, you know, if you're born again, are you going to heaven? They'd say, 
Yes, because that's what we teach, right? But what if you're born again and you don't do anything with what you were born again with? Anybody got a B behind you? Yes, and do you know what? Do you know what the the definition of from the original Greek word of occupy is? To to conduct business, we are we are, we should be in charge of the marketplace. There, there's three gates to every city. There's the gate of government. There's a gate of education. There, there's a, a gate of marketplace or business. We should dominate all three gates. Uh, if you go historic, go back through the Old Testament. That's what uh, uh, you know. They the gates of the city, and, and you can study all that out and find out, but, but his people should occupy all three of those positions. Now, let's just take Visalia. How much is dominated in city council, mayor's county supervisor, and things of Christians? Yeah, maybe somebody in there is a Christian, but they don't talk like a Christian or, or do anything like that. Running our educational system, our superintendent? Uh, no, check up on our superintendent. Uh, our school boards? There's on the school board, there's one and, and they're they're standing. Oh, yeah, I know, Paul. And uh, and then uh, the marketplace. How many how many uh, Christians are dominating and controlling the marketplace? You know, the, the guy that owns this, Johnny, uh, he, he walks down to City Hall when he wants something done. They listen to him. Because he's willing to go get an attorney and fight it. He's got the money to do it. But but you and I go down and fight City Hall. What do they do? They don't even unlock the front door. <laughs> I mean, they say you're on your... But, but Christians are supposed to do that. So yeah, we're supposed to occupy till he comes. We're supposed to be doing business. So, so how, do we, how do we say it's okay? Does anybody have an opinion on how this would work? That just because I'm born again, everything's okay if I'm not doing anything that is worthy of that? Because this is... Uh, let me go back to verse 14. The kingdom of heaven... This was an eternity parable. No other comments? Anybody? Anybody? Going once, going twice? We'll go to mom. Who has a... Well, mostly I just wondered if, if God gifted you with something and it didn't mean anything to you, would it be God they didn't mean anything to him because they didn't value what he gave them? And that's why they would leave. Why? Why would they want to be in his heaven when they didn't even respect what he had given them? Well, I would think that all in this parable, all three would want to be in his heaven because they were all servants and they received the gifting. It's just one was driven by fear. Now, I, I talk about fear all the time. So I think fear is a really big thing that people don't like to deal with. Well, I know I'm just struggling with fear. Uh, yeah, that means you're struggling with faith. That means you don't trust God. Um, and uh, so the thing that the point that I'm trying to make is this guy received it. And not only did he receive it, he brought it back to him. He knew who he was. He knew what he had. And so he, you know, he brought it back. Didn't it say he dug a hole in the earth and buried it? And he had it like, and, and so he went back and dug it up. He says, here, thank you for giving it to me. But man, I was too afraid to try to do anything with it. I didn't know what people would think. I didn't know if it would work. I didn't have enough faith in myself. And, uh, and the master came back and said, why didn't you at least put it in the bank? You, you went and put it in the earth. You get no return in the earth. 
You got your, your money in your mattress. It's going to be, uh, are you going to say anything else? Yeah. Okay. Could that fit also as, say, let's just use music. Because I've seen people do this. Because I've seen them outstanding get divorces to sing. Could it be a kneeling thing for them? So they never use that. I would think so. Now, that, that's a tough one because a lot of people think they can sing and they can't. And so, so you, you have to have a real gift. You know, that, but yeah, there, there are people who have musical abilities and talents, but they don't, they're unwilling to use them for God, typically because they're afraid. What if I go off key? What if somebody laughs at me? Simone. Uh, uh, you know, what if I, uh, you know, something like that. But fear is typically what keeps them out. But if God gave us something, then we should be willing to use it no matter what the cost. Go ahead. Okay. God gave us, all of us, something. Yes. Now, would you say that voting is something that... That what? Voting. Oh, voting. Would be something that we can use also. I mean, because when we vote, we choose, you know, someone actually is in charge for that. Okay. So this is going to be a David answer. Because I don't know that I can go to the Bible, and I'm a very pro-voting person, so yes. keep that in my in the bias of what I'm going to say. I've said it before that people are going to stand in judgment for their votes. Um, when we vote, I'll just pick one topic that's totally anti-Christ. You can have your opinion on it, but you're wrong if you disagree with this. Uh, abortion is wrong. Okay, but yet many Christians vote for people who are pro-abortion, they say, well, I just don't agree with them on that. But you just voted with them, so you just gave your agreement to that. And also voting, they say a lot of time afterward that so many Christians don't go and vote. Yes. So, so they had the ability to do something or even change something, but they don't do it. They stay home, they don't vote, and then they probably complain afterward. Yeah, and you're preaching to the choir right now. I 100% agree with you. Uh, how, does, it, does it go to the links of this parable? In David's opinion, yes. Because I, I believe we're going to give an account of our vote. Now, somebody might come back, well, well, none of them are Christians. Yeah, but there's things to say, I can't agree with you on that, on, on major issues. Abortion is one of the major issues of our day. Um, and, uh, and, and, but most people are voting for their party affiliation. And they just go down. They don't know who anybody is. Uh, you know, we, uh, um, I mean, we, we give opinions on um, voting and try to help people get registered and vote because we are very pro. But, but I believe we're going to give, and this is David's belief. I, I can't go to the Bible and give you a verse and justify it, but I believe we're going to give an account of everybody that we vote for. Go ahead, um, I Andrew. I think that a lot of people are seeing as being pastors nowadays, teaching that as long as you accept Christ in our life, we're going to go to heaven, no matter what they do to our abilities or not, and that's the easy way out, you know, people have been people since we've been people, let's hit the easy button and get out of here, all we got to do is accept him, and we're going to heaven, that sounds great. Now, I thought I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might have missed, did you say silly pastors? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so you're talking about pe the, the silliness of what's pre being taught, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, so no, I 100% agree with you on that. Uh, the doctrines today is because of the grace of God, everybody's going to heaven. Well, there's an assumption to the Bible that if you receive Christ, 
you're in Christ and you're going to do everything that Christ wants. Thus, according to this parable, you would take the, the abilities that he's given you and you would, you would put them to work for, for God and bring a return on what he paid for you, uh, what he paid for you and having your life born again. Go ahead, Ralph. You know, all this talk about people thinking because they've been born again, they're going to go to heaven and not doing anything once they're born again. The scripture that keeps coming back to me as I'm listening is Jesus telling that one guy, I never knew you, even though that person had done some stuff, yep. miracles and so forth. Could that tie into what you're talking about right now? I, I think it does. You're referring to Matthew chapter 7. I think it's verse 21 is many shall come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not done, there's a list of things that they've done. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. So they, um, and, and this is where I go back to, um, God ministers to you in a service. That's not a validation of me. I could be totally off my rocker, but as I'm preaching and I'm, I'm in the Bible and it ministers to you, God, God's trying to help his people. So, so once there's a, a move of God, the Spirit of God, somebody gets it's not a validation of the preacher. It's a God, loving God that may use the preacher so that he can bring his goodness into a, a person's life. But then again, what do we do with it? You know, I've often said, and I'm, I'm not putting pressure on anybody on anything on this. I just think it's, you know, it's just a thing I, I think of is somebody gets a miraculous healing. They got something serious in their body. I don't think I've ever seen somebody said, you know, God healed my body. I'm, I would have paid a doctor. I'd have made my co-pays. I'm going to give an offering to God. We don't do that, do we? Because God doesn't charge. But if God heals you and you don't have to have the surgery, you don't have to take the medicine, you don't have to go through recovery and, and saves you, let's just say $2,000 in co-pays and medicines and different things like that. Uh, is he not worthy of an offering? But, but we don't even think on that realm. Right. Go ahead, Peter. Uh, I, uh, your question was, how do we... The, the verse that this guy with one and the verse 30 that says, cast him in, into what sounds like hell. Okay. Um, my thoughts about it is I believe that the, the person, that, the servant that got the one talent, mm -hmm. I don't think the person with the one talent thought they had I think that we, uh, as just as Christians, we, we some of us probably believe that we don't have anything to, to give to God. So that's the reason why we have so many problems, so many uh, churches where people are, there's, there's more people sitting in pews than are actually helping. Because yeah. they don't believe that they have a talent. The second part of it is, because I don't believe that I have anything God really can use, that will perpetuate fear in my life. So mm -hmm. anytime that I'm asked to do something or has to, Whatever, it's like I can't do that. What that actually is, in my opinion, is fear. Uh, the last part of it is, is God, in his wisdom, gave him one talent because he knew who he was, but he gave him an opportunity. Talking about the goodness of God. Yeah. No, I agree 100% with you. And um, whenever you look at your life, see, just off the top of my head, our life is not our own. Uh, we're to die to self or crucify the flesh. I mean, you just look at how we prioritize and structure our lives. For most people uh, that are Christians, uh, they will rearrange 
something involved with their church to accomplish something on their natural side, but they will very rarely ever adjust something on the natural side to accomplish the church side. Well, that, that's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's more important, our own natural life and what we want to do or the things of God and what He wants us to do. And we're serving a God. This is why a lot of people, I feel, are, are frustrated in their life and can't get it to work because they're in control of their life, making the decisions they want, expecting God to bless what they're doing. Go ahead, B. Yeah. Which comes back into our identity. Yes. And most people don't have a Christ centered identity oh, that I can so do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why we, like a dog runs back to his vomit, that's why we run back to what we know, what we understand, and what we think we're good at destruction instead of in the things of God. So let's go to Matthew 21 and let's expand upon this. Unless somebody else had something to say on this. Because nobody really answered my question. On how do, we, how, do we, how do we justify in our minds that we're okay with God when we don't do anything with what He's given to us? That was my question. Maybe someone would come up with something on that. Matthew 21, verse 33. All right, this is the parable of the vineyard. Here, another parable. There was a certain... Did I read this one already? 2133. Okay, no. A certain household which planted a vineyard, oh no, and hedged it round about, and digged a wine press in it, and built a tower, and let it out to the husbandmen, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servant to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. So again, this is like the parable of the talents that we just sang. He's coming back to receive what was grown from the vineyard to receive the fruits. And the husbandman took his servant and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And he again sent out other servants more than the first, and they did unto him likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son. Now, give me biblical analysis of this. What's he talking about? Okay, the son was Jesus. Who were the servants that were beaten, killed, stoned? The prophets. That God sent his Old Testament prophets declaring the word of God and they rejected them all over the place. But the last of all, he sent unto them his son saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize upon his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And the Lord, therefore, of the wine uh, of the vineyard, when the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? Now, before we get to the answer on that, how do we treat the son? Okay, the, the son came and died for us. The, the price he paid corresponds to the price of sin we committed. You know, in the uh, things Corinthians, where it talks about communion, it talks about that uh, many are sick and die early because they do not discern the body of Christ. 
They don't understand or they treat the son the same way as these in rejecting. See, even those of us who receive, if we really study our lives, we can see where we're rejecting Christ. Because if we get an ouchie in our body, we run to the doctor before we run to Christ. We get a little cash flow snip, you know, where it's just kind of dripping. We run to the loan guy. We run to the bankruptcy attorney. We run to the, uh, the something else, you know, because uh, instead of running to Christ. Or we run to MasterCard instead of Master Jesus. So, so how do we treat the son? When somebody says something ouchy to us, we get offended. Well, we're told not to take any offense. When, when somebody presses our button, we revert to anger. And the Bible says, be angry and sin not. We add sin to our anger most of the time. So how do, how do we, so, so what's going to happen in, in how they treated his, the son? Let's see. Verse 41, they said to him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men. Now, what is miserably destroy? What's that? Pretty bad, completely. Yeah, it kind of sounds to me like it's, it's going to be there's, it's going to be a painful process before you get to the destruction. Yeah. Miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto the husbandmen, watch this, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Does anybody know what he's talking about? The what? What part of the end times? It's actually before the end times. Let's read another verse and then I'll, I'll come back to you. Jesus saying to them, did, did you never read the scriptures? The son which the builders rejected, the same as become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. Who's the you he's talking to? The Jews. And given to a nation <clears throat> bringing forth the fruits thereof. What nation brought forth the fruits? <clears throat> The time of the church, the Gentiles. And uh, so right now we're in the day of the, the, the church. The church is going to be removed. That's what we call the rapture. God's attention is going to be turned back to uh, the Jewish uh, people, his people. But he's, he told them they're going to be taken away. Why? Because of the way they handled um, the son. And whosoever shall fall on the son shall be broken. But on, uh, on whomso it shall fall, it will grind him to patter powder and when the chief priest and the pharisees heard his parable they perceived that he spoke of them well duh <laughs> but is he talking to us also but when they sought to lay hands on him they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet so again uh i, I used the in the beginning the word value if we look at i forgot to come back to you sorry uh <laughs> Uh, I think it's in, I, I think even in people that love, that truly are trying to walk with, with Jesus, we don't value what he has done as high as the value of what he's done is. Is that a confusing sentence or do you follow me? I don't, okay, there was a couple of heads shaking, no. That when I look at the things of God, when, when, 
when God looks at sending his only son to die for our sins, God sees that as a value so high that a living sacrifice is just reasonable service. But when I look at it, it's like, cool, thank you, Jesus. I don't have the same value on it. Because if, if I valued it the same way he valued it, if I got one talent, I would go out and do everything I could to make the talent work. But if you look at the, the, the driving force of our lives, we're, we're pursuing more natural things than we are spiritual things. And, and I come back to his descriptions of how he handles these things. I think it's more important than what. Now, you can disagree with me. Uh, I've read a couple of scriptures, so you'd have to get some scriptures to disagree with me. But um, because he said that those that do this, the destruction is imminent. They're going to walk in it. They're going to live it out. So now, if we take the doctrine that, well, because of grace, we're saved, everybody's saved, and... Why would he put these parables in here? To teach us how the kingdom of God operates, how the kingdom of heaven operates. And why, do, why is the value we place on our money, on our time, on the things that we do so much higher than the value placed on Jesus dying for our sins so that we don't have to live in our death? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, because we're all placing a value on everything that we do. And God's given us the right. I'm not beating anybody up. You can live however you want to live. Just what I'm trying to get people to understand is that God has set up and is telling us how it turns out. Go ahead. I believe that the reason uh, we don't value it as Christians the scripture in Romans 12, 2. Our minds haven't been renewed. The only way they're going to be renewed, the, the way I believe God wants us to renew them, is with his word, period. I agree with that. And uh, I think the, uh, the other side is we even value titles more than we value walking with God or the things that he's done. We, we, we want to look spiritual. We want people to think we're spiritual. I want God to think I'm spiritual. I really honestly don't care what you think about me or anybody else. That's, you, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I want God to think that I'm spiritual. I, I don't care about titles. In fact, the first several years, I've finally changed because, for, well, there's a couple reasons why I changed, but I wouldn't even let people call me pastor because I didn't want to be named among them. I didn't want people to know I was one. Because every pastor I'd met was very insecure. And they needed people to need them. And I didn't want to be a part of that. It wasn't until I got hooked up with Pastor Harbaugh and started meeting people that was connected with Dr. Barkley. And thought, wow, there's actually pastors out there that aren't needy. And um, that's just my testimony, okay? And uh, all right, let's read the last one. Oh, go ahead. Uh, hang on. But that goes back to what Ralph said about being carnally minded. Exactly. And um, yeah, and unfortunately, most people do not work on their mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the senses are more important. The emotions are more important. Okay, last one, Matthew 13. 
uh, verse 44. Now, I, I brought them all down to this because I've been talking about value. And I think these two, very, very short, um, really sum it up. Again, verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, that which when a man found it, he hideth, and the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he has and buys the field. That's a really long parable, right? This is how Jesus describes this thing that we're in. That when you find it, you see the value of it, that you'll go out and sell everything you have to obtain it. Now, you don't have to do that to obtain it. It's a parable. It's teaching that a guy finds a field, and, uh, um, and so he's got to buy the field. So, so he, he goes out and sells everything he can so he could raise the money to buy the field so that he could have the treasure inside of it. So put this down into um, uh, natural form. You're out. You just went for a walk or whatnot. And uh, um, some oil's bubbling up or something. You know. I just think of the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. Um, some oil's bubbling up. And so you're like, oh, my goodness, there's oil under this ground. Whew. I need to go find out. So you call up mom, a realtor, and say, hey, there's, there's a walnut grove out here. on uh, da, 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 and, uh, uh, How much do you think that thing's worth? Well, I don't know. Is it for sale? I don't know. Could you find out? Yeah, let me find out. Find the owner. And they call Okay, I want $1.2 million for it. Said, Man, that's cheap compared to the oil that's in there. At $100 a barrel? If I can pump out 100 barrels a day and da-da-da-da-da and da-da-da-da-da and da-da-da-da-da and Whoa, that would pay for itself in just very short order. You're going to have to liquidate some assets to get the, I don't even remember what I said, 1.2 million. Is that the number I pulled up the top of my head? Uh, uh, would you do it? Do you know, I don't even think most people would do it today in the financial realm. Well, what if there wasn't? How do I really know how much is under there? What if it didn't work out? What if I couldn't get a, a permit to drill it? What if this, what if that? Yeah, that's too risky. I'm not going to do that. You know how many times God has placed an opportunity to profit in front of us, but we couldn't see it? And we were so tied to the money we had in the bank that, no, I want that secured that I'm not going to sell and do this. And don't you know that's the exact same thing people do with their lives? They talk about the goodness of God. They talk about the healing power of God. They talk about the blessings of God. They talk about the peace of God. They talk about all these different things of God. But I ain't giving up my dirty uh, diaper. Well, let's read another one. Verse 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the kingdom of heaven is like a person selling everything they had to get something of greater value. Well, let's talk about selling everything I had, getting rid of my current mindset. I, I got to work on changes so I can walk in this thing. I just found the owner manual. Now I got to figure out how to do it. Now, I, just kind of a side note, illustrative purposes. I was in a, uh, I was one of the instructors on a CCW class that was going on just the other day. And uh, the main instructor was teaching. He says, uh, how many of you have read the manual to your gun? Yeah, you know, a firearm can be a deadly weapon. And uh, I think one guy raised his hand. And he said, if you're going to operate a gun, you need to know how it works. You need to know how to take it apart, put it back together. Uh, if, you're, if you have to use it and you get a, 
a malfunction or something, you got to know how to fix it. It's all in the, the, the manual. But just having a gun and being able to go bang, bang doesn't mean that you know everything about it. But how many of us have a Bible in our hands and, and we won't even sacrifice some time to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved? We, we, we complain about stuff that's going on in our lives. We, we look at the turmoil loved ones and family members are going through or something like that, but we don't even step in, take what we have and give to them. Oh, does that sound like a parable? Let me lay hands on you. The Bible says if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. We're going to believe right now you're going to recover. Is that taking something he's given me and using it to bring back gain? Or what about evangelizing? Hey, co-worker, how's it going? It's going good. Here, I've thought about the fact that you're going to hell. <laughs> you might not want to use that approach. But, uh, but are we taking something? I mean, we're not even willing to give up time. Less than 2% of the body of Christ uh, handles that which God, God said that is holy unto him, the tithe and they don't even present it uh, to him. We've, we, don't, we don't see the value in what we're in right here. And I don't mean these four walls. I mean the body of Christ. Let's stand. Well, I hope you guys gotten something out of at least one of the parables that we've gone over for the last four, five, six weeks. Uh, they're powerful. They tell us how to live where we're at right now how to overcome, what's going to happen with our life, because we're all going to give an account of our life. It doesn't matter what our opinions are. Uh, uh, God has set this whole thing up. Some people, it's easy to fall into this because of what's going on. looks like, wow, this is all in, uh, out of control, and it seems like God's not going to get anything done. But He's got a plan. He's got it all in control. It's gonna, it may not be fun to walk through, but it is going to come out exactly how God said it is. And so are these parables. Because they are the Word of God. It's why Jesus taught them. And there's a lot of preachers saying now that the words of Jesus, you can cut the red letters out of your Bible. They don't apply. You got to apply, you know, look at uh, uh, cultural settings and the time they were written in to apply. But the great thing about uh, the Word of God is it's always current. Yeah. Heaven and earth will pass away. But his word is not going to pass away. Then you can take that to the bank. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. God, help it penetrates our, penetrate our hearts, Lord Jesus, so that we're, we're realizing, God, the value of it. That no matter what kind of temporary pain, temporary discomfort, uh, temporary ouchiness that we got to walk through, keeping ourselves on your word is the thing that we've got to do. We've got to understand the permanency of your word. Lord, we thank you for the parables. Lord, as we uh, depart from here, uh, Lord, give your angels charge over us to keep us uh, in our drives, going home. No weird things happen to us. We walk in divine protection. And Lord, as we enter into the time of Thanksgiving holiday, Lord, let us, let us really work on our thankfulness for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember,